0: So observations, we say, are kind of the bare minimum, even if you're afraid of power, even if you don't really understand it, even if you're not totally aware of what a big guy in your class should be pushing versus a smaller female. Everyone can teach with observations because it all it does is it guides the student to look at a number and start learning how that number stacks up against what you're currently teaching. If they keep coming back to class, they'll start to learn oh, I love this song. I love this 10-minute climb that this teacher does. I love this interval and I know what I normally get or I know what's a good day or what's a bad day.
1: Hi, this is Amy, the Senior Group Fitness Instructor at the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Are you looking for a spark of inspiration to bring to your next class? Find us at IndoorCycleInstructor.com.
0: You know, I always say to people that we have, a, we have a, an activity that's been around for 20-some years, and it's, it's, it's taken on an art of its own because it didn't have measurement. I can compare it to classes I've been teaching for 20 years. I've been teaching a treadmill class for 20 years, and of course, I've had measurement the entire time. So it's taken on an art of its own where we've, in the absence of measurement, we've made it entertaining, and we've created styles of instructors who can make being in a room interesting. And what I often say is that when you add measurement to it, people kind of either reject it because they just don't know how to fit it into what they currently do or they go the opposite end and they, they overdo it and they make it you know, about as sexy as an EKG crossed with an Excel spreadsheet. And, and then they lose the art and the magic of what they have created over the last 10 or 15 or 20 years that they've been teaching. So we tend to take the principle that there's a, there's a really happy medium that doesn't have to disrupt what you currently do. And we think that's the best place to start. And then you'll, like everything else, you'll graduate people to where they want to be as you go.
1: You're listening to Jay Blonick, my guest on the Indoor Cycle Instructor Podcast. Jay, welcome.
0: Great to be here.
1: Yeah, forgive me. Once I get somebody to get started, I don't want to stop them. So uh, I've developed kind of a different format for my podcast that I picked up with Lawrence Biscantini here recently that once you start talking, I'm just going to let you go. So, well, welcome. you know the whole industry as you were saying has 20 years old yet it's changing and a lot of us don't really know the right way to go about it as far as introducing power into our classes and uh, you were nice enough to uh, be available here today is it your impression that people are excited about power but then they they get the bikes but and then they're confused
0: yeah, I think what we have experienced because we've been in this space kind of since the you know the very beginning. Schwinn has been in this space. Is what we've experienced is that there's you know there's a number of different groups. There's one group that really believes measurements going to ruin the experience, so they're very emotionally connected to the way cycling's always been done, and they don't see the advantages. And that's both instructors and members. So they don't want to disrupt what they become very addictive and obsessed with. Then there's another group that's you know, really open to technology because they've had to embrace it in their lives through Facebook and Twitter and all the ways with which technology has changed our lives outside of the cycling room. So they're very they're very eager and interested. And then when they see it, they allow themselves to get a little bit overwhelmed because it does require them to go back to being a, a teeny bit of a beginner in relearning a little bit of their approach. And when you've become successful and you filled a room with people who like what you're doing, it's hard to do something new. So they like the idea of it, but they struggle a little bit with the implementation. And then, um, you know, there's kind of a third group that both likes the idea, embraces it right away, and they're using it right off the bat. So we've just found that it's important to have discussions about the simplest ways to incorporate this because I'm a big fan of simplify and amplify. That's kind of one of my, one of the phrases I use with our master trainers a lot. Um usually, Getting big ideas to stick is much more about the art of subtraction than addition. So you have to really strip away at the core uh, proposition of an idea and then really try to amplify that, make it sticky. And then if you do that well, you'll have a lot of permission to do more. So I think power measurement, being able to track our workouts is huge opportunity long term. But I think sometimes we jump all the way to step three and four and consumers and many instructors are still at step zero and so what we've got to successfully do is get everybody to step one, and then they will come along to steps three, four, five, and six.
1: Okay. So give me an uh, an example of simplifying and amplifying in this context.
0: So in the Schwinn program, we came up with a really simple construct that that works with our um, Schwinn Cycling Coaches Pyramid. So um, I know many of your listeners may not be familiar with the Pyramid if they haven't been through our, our course, but the... The pyramid's designed to make coaching and indoor cycling class easy and provide you with the construct that regardless of what program you've been trained in, what it allows you to do is it allows you to be able to evaluate yourself and make sure you're giving enough of the right information in the right areas and also not leaving anything out. And what we found is that's what we've been using for the last 10 years in our program. And it's a really useful tool to create consistency. We believed that adding power to the experience needed to fit into the pyramid. Meaning we couldn't tell people, well, we taught you this pyramid for 10 years, and now there's power, and now you've got to do it this way, and it's completely different, and look over here. We believed it needed to be an extension of our core proposition and core coaching construct. So um, if you know how the pyramid works, power or measurement fits in on the second level. Um, The first level is content, and the second level, we call it clarity. Um, So content is making sure your students and your members really understand what they're supposed to be doing. So the technique or the the body position, is it a climb, is it a flat? Make sure that they know how fast they're supposed to pedal. So you're giving them guidance on RPM. Make sure they know the intensity and make sure they know the time, how long it's going to last. So before every song, before every stage, before every part of class, your members should know what they're doing, how fast to pedal, how hard to work, how long it's going to last, that that's the basic content everyone should be clear on. Once you then have that, we believe the next level is providing a little more clarity, meaning how does this section of class fit into the rest of the ride? How, how is this particular section going to unfold? Are there easy bits or there are there hard bits? You know, how many times am I going to have to do it? So, you know, I always say if, if I was going to tell you as a personal trainer, we're going to lunge, and that's all I said. You'd be asking, you'd be asking questions like, how many? How long? How much weight? How far do I have to go? How many times? So I've got to answer all that for you once I've given you the core proposition. So we think the clarity is where the console and the power story can come into play. So if you've said to me, we're gonna climb this hill for about 10 minutes, we're gonna be somewhere between 60 and 80 RPMs, and I want you to push yourself, but don't go breathless. Well, now I kind of know the basics. So clarity comes in by using the console to say things like, hey. Notice what your wattage is when you're pushing at that intensity. Um, Notice how far you've gone halfway up this hill. Can the second half be as good as the first half? Um, Take a look at where you're at in the class and and how this hill fits into it and, and provide a measurement that gives them something interesting to look at. So we say that second level with power is about giving your students observations, goals, or challenges. Three simple things. So our whole approach to power is give your students something to observe, give them a goal, give them a challenge. And that's that second level of the pyramid when you have a power or wattage bike. Um, So give them the content, then give them clarity through the lens of observation goals and challenges. So an example of an observation would be me asking you to look at something on the console, but not necessarily telling you to do anything with it so i might suggest that you take a look down at um how far you've gone so far in class based on your power and knowing that there's 10 minutes left you know you'll look at that and kind of go hmm i'm at you know 17 miles today in this class i wonder if i can get that close to 20 by the time we're done so observation is Pointing out something on the console that they may have forgotten to look at that will then instill something in their own mind without you forcing it on them. You might say, notice what your wattage can be as we go up this hill and we finish off class. You might say, um, take a look at your calorie burn from the last hill. Now see what it can be on this hill. You might say, take a look at your distance on the first hill and let's see what it is on the final hill. So observations are just a really light way of getting your members and students to notice things on the console that might go over their head and then allow the negotiation to take place in their own mind. We think this is the easiest entry into power because you don't have to ask anything of them other than to look. And what they start to do is they start to learn what they didn't know before. I to always say, we know this works really well because if you take a look at people that are on the treadmill by themselves or on the stair climber by themselves, somebody's on a stair climber and they're about to get off and they've noticed that they've done 97 floors, what do you think they do before they get
1: off? Or 285 calories. Exactly.
0: They round it up, right? And they start to then say to themselves, oh, I've been working out for 27 minutes. A good workout for me is 300 calories or whatever it is. And they start to remember that and they start to compare and they start to think back at other workouts and they start to learn what's a good day, what's a bad day, what's a great day. So observations, we say, are kind of the bare minimum. Even if you're afraid of power, even if you don't really understand it, even if you're not totally aware of what a big guy in your class should be pushing versus a smaller female, everyone can teach with observations because it all it does is it guides the student to look at a number And start learning how that number stacks up against what you're currently teaching. If they keep coming back to class, they'll start to learn, oh, I love this song, I love this 10-minute climb that this teacher does, I love this interval, and I know what I normally get, or I know what's a good day or what's a bad day. So observation is open to anybody. It's not hard to do. You don't even have to be super skilled at understanding power. You don't need to be a hardcore cyclist who's ridden with the power tap. We think that's the easy entry. Goals is the next level, which is you can add clarity to the ride by giving your students a goal connected to something that the console is providing. So, for example, let's say I'm having my students go up a 10 minute hill climb. I might have them look down every two minutes at how far they've gone based on their wattage. So, you know, on the Schwinn console, we predict distance based on intensity. So, wattage Mm -hmm. plays into distance. So what I might do is I might have everybody reset the stage timer. Everyone knows we're climbing 10 minutes. And all I have them do is glance down every two minutes. And I simply say, look at the distance you've gone. Can you make the next two minutes as good as the two minutes before? So then what I'm doing is I'm giving them a goal to not fade as the climb goes on. And what they'll do is I'll say, oh, I went this far in two minutes. All I got to do is match it the next two minutes. And what that does is helps them become a better consistent hill climber so that they don't overshoot in the beginning and then not, not push as consistently at the end. Or I might do it even simpler and say, we're climbing 10 minutes, we're halfway there. Look at how far you went in the first five minutes. Can you go a little farther in the second five minutes? And now they're going to try to actually finish the hill pushing harder than they did on the first half. So what makes it a goal versus an observation Is not that I'm telling them to shoot for a certain wattage, because we all know that that's not fair, because everyone pushes different wattages based on their weight. But what it does is it gives them something to shoot for. It becomes an active relationship. They may not do it, but now they have something in mind. And it requires a little bit more um, agreement or negotiation. I may say, we're going to do 10 intervals in a row. 10 one-minute interval pushes where I'm going to ask you to push breathless, recover, push breathless, recover. And a goal may be as simple as saying, hey, the first three of these 10 intervals, I want you to see what your wattage is. And then I want the remaining seven intervals for you to try to get as close to that wattage as you can. Now it may not be possible. They may fade after interval number five, but they now have a goal of what they're trying to repeat as opposed to it just being open-ended. And we find that that The goals can be very powerful. They can be simple. They can be simply, hey, you did this ride with me last week. I want your goal to be that you burn as many calories or close or go as far or farther as you did last week on the same ride. Same music, same approach, same imagery, same exact ride. Let's just see if we can match it or beat it. Well, that's really powerful because now I'm coming in and I'm like, "Ah, you know, last week I did – I broke 20 miles but barely. This week I'm going to see if I can do 21. And that means the whole class, they will be kind of going a little harder than they've done before, finding those moments where they can break away. And that goal allows them to, to step up to something. It's not just an observation.
1: Uh, Jay, let me interrupt you real quick here because this ties into something that uh, Lawrence was talking about. And that was to set up a teaser at the end of your class, as your tra- at your transition, as he called it, not your cool down. But this would be an awesome thing to be able to – to talk to your class and say, okay, now we're going to do this right again next week. And so try to keep some understanding of where you're at and see if you can uh, show me some improvement next week.
0: Yeah. I mean, in fact, one of the things we do with our Schwinn program is we actually say that turning off the console and getting your averages and your max and your totals should actually be an event, not an accident. There's a feature on our console that when you end the workout, you see averages and maxes displayed, you see totals. We actually say, do that with them. Everybody, do it at the same time. Make a moment in your cool down to have people memorialize and visualize and think about what it is that they've earned. Treat the measurement as currency. So it has value and it has a moment of celebration, has a moment of ritual, um, as opposed to just hoping they accidentally remember it. Because in my case, I actually, all my workouts, whether it's my rowing workouts, my running workouts, my cycling workouts, my students all know they always get to do them twice. So we repeat everything twice. If you did it with me this Monday, we're going to do it next Monday. So you always get a second shot at it. Some instructors actually do that for more rides than me. And some don't repeat anything, but I always, I give two, which allows me to give enough variety changes often enough, but it allows comparison. So I make what you're saying a big part of the class. I, you know, I say, Hey, let's focus on calorie burn. Let's take a look at distance, you know, remember this. So next week, you know what you're going to do. And I think, the important thing to remember is, as trainers, we're always looking for progress and um, progression. But when I when I say like a goal, it isn't always about being better. Um, a lot of people find great joy in just not being worse. So <laughs> <laughs> right, exactly. I, I say, yeah, I say, this is a big deal, <laughs> right. So for me, as I get older, I you know I don't have to be faster than I was last year. I just have to not be slower. So. um, so sometimes what I'll say to people is, all I'm asking is that you come back next week prepared to do just what you did. If you know that's not going to be possible because of travel or whatever else, that's fine. But you at least have a marker with which to go against. And that idea of repeating is really valuable to a lot of people in fitness. And you know, if they gave their all to you, they don't want to be treating every workout like the whole goal is to beat it. Because sometimes it's not going to be. But there's a huge reward in getting close to it again. So, if you just taught this amazing workout that was really tough, you know, the language should not be beat it next week. You know, that, that, that probably shouldn't be the language. The language should be you guys kicked butt. So, make sure on Sunday that you don't overwork yourself because Monday next week we're going to do it again. And I'd like to try to see if we can match it. Maybe you'll even beat it. But let's come back fresh so we can finish this particular workout and, and have some consistency. So, language is important. And you've got to be careful not to have it always be about being better. Because for some people, just being the same is better.
1: Yeah, every year we get older. <laughs> and so you're right. Not going backwards is a good thing.
0: I talk about and, that a it, lot in some of the Nike, Nike services that I've worked on with Nike and Nike Plus is that, you know, maintenance and consistency for a lot of people is progress. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it's not maintenance. It's actually progress because… Perhaps they were only able to do five workouts in a row and now they've been able to do 10. The workout may have been the same, but the fact that they were able to do it 10 times instead of five before they broke their intensity or they broke whatever it is they were shooting for, that's a big deal. So you know, um, I always say progression, regression, maintenance. Those are the three things that get people excited. Show me I'm better. Show me I'm worse. Show me I'm staying the same. And show me i stay staying the same is actually very valuable in fitness.
1: It is. Okay. Now I got you off topic though, but you, cause you were going to talk about challenges as the second. Yeah. Of so that's the clarity. third
0: thing. Yeah. So it's like you teach the basics and with, with power and wattage consoles, you either give them an observation, simple, take a look at something. They'll start negotiating what it means. Goals means look at something on the console and give them something to shoot for that is specific to them. It's not, it's not a, a raw number. It is a relational goal, like make the second half better than the first half or see if you can match these intervals. The third thing we say is actually using it for challenges. And um, I like to say that challenges are kind of like uh, goals on steroids. You can't do them every single workout. They have a tone and an attitude that are special and they won't work with every single group. So there's two ways to look at challenges. When you finally have measurement in a cycling class and you've never had it before, Challenges could be used to actually get people to do what they couldn't do before, and that is to measure those days and those moments where they really do go for their PRs, where they really do try to step up in a way that they cannot do every day. So it could be something as simple as I did this this week in a training in Florida where I said, look, on these intervals today, I'm gonna give you three 30-second intervals with some breaks in between. But your goal is not to last for 30 seconds. What I want you to do is take 10 seconds of the 30 and give me the biggest wattage number you've seen in six months. Literally, I want you to unleash, to break away from a number you know you can hold and find one you can't hold. And the language changes to be, look, this isn't to hold it for 30. This is to spike it for one second, to literally, you know, like what you would do in a race where you know, I may train for a 10k or a 5k, but rarely in my training do I ever go as hard as I do on that last 100 meters when everyone's cheering for me to come in and that clock's up there. That that moment when you cross the line you're looking for the puke bucket. And um, you know, you you all know anyone's done a race, bike race, foot race, whatever it is, there are moments in competition or challenges where it isn't realistic to do it all the time, but you need those moments to make you believe you can do better, to make you remember what it feels like to go over the edge. And we couldn't do that before in cycling because we didn't have measurement. Now, occasionally you can. You can ask people to really do something that's disruptive from what they normally do. And that that's really like a PR, personal best. But you can also flip it and turn challenges into real competition. Um, we do this in a lot of my uh, rowing program workouts that I created with Josh Crosby, Indo Row and Shockwave, where – There's actually an element of competition. You're trying to either beat your own score or beat somebody else. So a way to do this, we say, might be maybe you divide your class into groups of three. So let's say it's me, you, John, and Jules Arnie, one of our other Schwinn master trainers, and we're in the front row. And I'm rider one, you're rider two, and Jules is rider three. And I I divide up the rest of the class in groups of three. And here's the goal. I'm going to go as hard as I can for a quarter mile, then I'm going to pass it to you. Then you're going to go as hard as you can for a quarter mile, then you're going to pass it to Jules. And we got to go through four times. So we'll each have done a mile, in quarter mile increments. And you tell this to a little class and you say, first group of three done first wins. And so literally it's a competition, right? And Of course, it's not fair because if there's a team of three small girls, they're not going to beat the three big boys, but you divide it up so it's somewhat fair. And here's what happens. When I'm going, you and Jules are screaming for me resting. Then you're going, I'm resting, Jules is screaming for you. And then when Jules goes, I'm screaming for Jules. All it really is is an interval in disguise, right? One work, two rest, four times through. But it turns into a competition that we're actually trying to win. And it gives people a flavor of something they've never had in indoor cycling, which is competition. And if you've got the right group of people, that can be the most energetic five minutes of your class. And I can't do it with people I don't know. I can't do it in every class. But as long as there's people that are willing to know they may not be on the strongest team and they may not win, but they are gonna, all going to bring each other in, it changes the energy in a way that makes it really fun and we can never do it before. And that that's the third thing that you can do to with uh, wattage and and consoles that measure is this thing we couldn't do before this level of challenges that creates either personal records or bests or competition
1: i like that i I like that a lot no that sounds like a lot of fun but that's not something that you can interject to a class where you just don't know everybody
0: yeah absolutely i mean Look, even in my own cycling classes, we use forms of challenges, that they tend to be more personal challenges. The first example I gave, which is like, okay, we've been going for 10 weeks and I haven't asked you to empty the tanks for reels yet. Today, we're going to do a race day ride. And what I'm looking for is best wattage numbers in the last three months. You know, And I prepare them. They know they're coming in for that. They try to take some rest days. I mean, we really do try to treat it like an event. Um, I do that a lot more than the team competition interval thing that i that i mentioned to you sometimes though the competition can be simple i'll give you 2 minutes see how far you can go and people really do compete to get the best numbers knowing that it's it's not fair and that someone else's mile and a half is better than somebody else's 2 miles because they weigh less but it still creates a different energy it creates an energy that i think's been missing in the classroom i mean indoor cycling is based on cycling after all and a part of cycling is racing and you know, a lot of people do races not because they think they're going to win, but simply because they love um, the thrill of competition and the thrill of bettering, you know, bettering your best and and showing up. So, I think it's a it's not a way you can use it every day, but it is a third way that we have to recognize can be very effective.
1: All right, now Jade, we're getting a little long, and you brought up some things right at the very beginning, as far as you know, those three different personality types. You know, those that uh, tend to reject it, those that are open, and those that are embracing power. Can I get you to uh, stay around a little longer? We might have to split this into two, but to kind of go through your ideas on how to communicate, encourage, whatever those different groups. Yep, you bet. So that concludes part one of my interview with Jay Blonick and Schwinn Indoor Cycling. Our ICI Pro members can look forward to part two coming on December 8th, where Jay and I are going to discuss those three personality types and the best way to communicate with them. Now, if you're not an ICI Pro member, there's a little chill in the air, and that's driving everybody indoors. This may be the perfect time for you to at least give our seven-day trial a try. It's only a dollar, and you can find more information about it at indoorcycleinstructor.com and then forward slash Pro. Thanks for listening, and if you have any other questions, you can always email me john at indoorcycleinstructor.com.